A chance encounter on the road may shatter the minds or scorch the bodies of an entire family. Can the Fenelix survive the horror of the deadlight? Sugarfield Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Deadlight, a Call of Cthulhu 7th edition one-shot picture. Episode 1 Voice of the Editor here. Hi, and thanks for listening to our one-shot Call of Cthulhu adventure, Deadlight. To give you the setup for this game, several members of this group are playing through the Call of Cthulhu Masks of Nalathotep campaign in 6th edition, and Deadlight is a one-shot adventure designed to be the introduction to the 7th edition of Call of Cthulhu. Well, most editions of Call of Cthulhu are very, very similar to each other, 7th edition introduced a few very different mechanics, and we wanted to give them a playtest in a new adventure. Thus, I've written up six randomly rolled pre-generated characters in order to play through the Deadlight adventure with the new 7th edition rules and see how it goes. At the end of these sessions, I'll give a brief review of what we thought of Deadlight and what we think of the 7th edition rules. I've chosen not to read out the pre-generated characters that I gave to the players at this point, as there's a few secrets on there and some listeners may prefer to be surprised. At the very end of this episode, I'll be going through and reading out the pre-generated characters, what it was that the players got, and you can decide for yourself whether you want to listen or just be surprised by what happens. So, this is Call of Cthulhu. Um, three of the four of you I know have extensively played Call of Cthulhu before. Um, what about you, Matthew? Uh, I've played some one-shots and I've played a couple of the same games before. We are um, running it as a um, amalgamation of my of, of the sixth edition semi heavily house rule version that I'm using for um, uh, the Master of My Recipe campaign. Anyway, um, so I'll be explaining stuff regardless. Uh, so um, the that is an entirely different game, so that can go away. Um, so the premise here is you are all members in some fashion or other of the Fenwick family Um, are we inbred hillbillies? no actually Um, you are fine upstanding uh, Bostonian Americans uh, and or Italians from the other side of the family depending on which um, characters you're playing Uh. um Yes, Italian. For, for Foscari. Um, so, your relation, depending on who you are, um, your relation, Manfred, is essentially the very rich American aristocrat type, lives in a manor outside of Boston, has pots of money, is kind of wildly eccentric. Um, and he has died under what can only be classified as mysterious circumstances. Lucky. Um, the neighbours, the the neighbours have had all sort have heard all sorts of weird noises and the occasional scream from the house and etc etc. And one night there was this this report of a string of horrible noises, and then he hasn't been seen again. So body missing, presumed dead. The estate has been played or screwed around with by lawyers for some time. And after about six months, it's all finally come to a resolution. 
and the family have decided that they'll, they'll have a, a funeral for his non-existent body, which has happened. Um, you have had a meeting with the lawyer, um, who has essentially said that he has left you an amount of money to be divided amongst the heirs in various conditions and ways, but that it is dependent on you spending a week in his manor house in Boston. That, that you are obliged to go to his manor house and spend the week there without leaving for any reason oh, no. um, or forfeit your share of the inheritance. How's that? Um, so the six characters that are available, uh, respectively, are Samuel Fenelik, highly respectable type, this is listed archetype, um, who is the, the very classic sort of American gentleman it's, it's that American aristocracy, because it's the 1920s. We are From of, Boston. Yes, you're of the right class, albeit you don't necessarily actually have any lordly titles and things. Yeah. Um, so he is the very respectable American gentleman. Um, his wife uh, is Regina Fenelick, um, who is a nurse... Um, who comes from somewhere in the in the Cthulhu mythos that she doesn't like to talk about out loud style of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter Lily uh, is the character who has suffered, who who is a, a, a female athlete who has recent semi recently in the last couple of years suffered from some absolutely horrendous damage from a massive fire. Consequently, has very bad lungs and burns on her skin and that sort of thing. Fire scarred survivor is her character. Um, Conrad Fenelik is Samuel's brother. Uh, he is the mad guy in the family that no one really likes to talk about. Um, his archetype is listed as mad occultist, and his first aspect is I know the truth, but nobody believes me. Uh, incidentally, the 7th edition characters are written, their backstories are written in the form of having a couple of aspects, very much like fate. So the first ones on the list are um, uh, Samuel's one is respectability is everything. Lily's one is family is the foundation of all problems. Conrad is I know the truth but nobody believes me. Regina's is anywhere but home. Uh, then the two cousins from Italy, Marco and Tomas, are basically um, you know, beach, beach, beach bums from Italy, essentially. Um, one of them who is seriously built and, and might or might not have some chemical problems and has I'm always angry is his first aspect. Uh, and Tomas, who is the laid-back, you know, attractive beach bum. Um, who has stunningly gorgeous playboy is his first aspect. Um, I have literally rolled all these characters at random and then spent their points in vaguely appropriate areas. Yeah. So... You are free to take whatever collection of them you like. Obviously, um, some of them are a bit closer linked than others, but they are all family. So whichever ones you you haven't got are essentially people who have elected to stay behind for whatever reason. I'll give you the reasoning depending on the characters that aren't played. And I'm assuming we can't look at them because they're, they've got secrets? Vaguely, yeah. I'm sort of interested in the patriarchal history. Uh, I, I can life. give you vaguely what they so do. Regina. Yeah. I'm not interested in Samuel because it's another rich individual. Samuel's probably my first pick, followed by and the, uh, Regina. Athlete is another one I don't want to play because I've already played that as well. Play the mad guy. 
Yeah. I have no problem playing So anyway. if you want sort of where their apex skills lie kind of thing, I can give you that. Yeah. Uh, so... Nah, that really gives them uh, Marco, the, the angry Italian guy, has points in uh, fist, drive, persuade, and repair. Um, as his sort of higher, semi-higher skills. Uh, Mad Uncle Conrad has resources. He's the rich one. Um, and then a bunch of weird shit. He's the only character that has any points in Cthulhu Mythos, which I haven't written on his character sheet, so I need to do that now. <laughs> yeah, he was top of my list. Um, Samuel has uh, points all over the place. Library use and spotter is apexes. Um, Lily, the daughter athlete, has fists and martial arts as her apexes, and running okay. and athletics. Like 1920s teenage girl? Yeah, that's the that, that, Buffy verse. There's an explanation. Okay. Um, Regina is the nurse, so she has first aid as her apex, um, followed by library use as well. And. Thomas, the gorgeous guy, the gorgeous playboy, has fast talk and larceny as his apex skills. Okay. Larceny being lock picking and all the Well, how about we go around and say first pick, second pick, and then we can work out. I have out. no idea what I'd pick. What about you, Sean? Uh, first pick would be Conrad, the second pick would be Mr. Angry. Okay. Well, nobody seems to mind, so I'll take Samuel. Samuel Fenwick, highly respectable type. I figure it makes sense for someone to play him, and I vaguely like the sound of it. Okay, so you have one character sheet that is all what of your personality, and the other, the other one that is all of your stats. Yeah. Huh? Huh? They were all in for the mad uncle. Oh, okay. So I'm Mr. Angry. You want Marco. Marco Fenwick. The Italian plumber. <laughs> yeah, good one. At least he, he wasn't literally named Mario. Or the crazy bird. <laughs> Is it a crazy bird? Sorry. Twenties. Oh, okay. It's not two hundred and five. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking. No, no. I've, I've put the characters as generically aged. The oldest ones like sixties. The youngest yep. ones are twenties. I'll take the daughter. I, I need them plausible enough that the, you know the mother's of an age where she could have actually had the daughter without yep. being too weird. But um, well, okay, my age is his fifties. Yes, I thought it said five hundred and five. Yes, yeah, people don't like my s's apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lily Fennell, the dash between the o and the s. And does that leave you Conrad? Yeah. Two hundred and five. Yeah. No, this one's actually. Uh, I don't have a sheet. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Can you. I have to put it on there. Can you put 30% in the video in this box? Oh. Uh, that sounds really good. And then accordingly, uh, 15 in that box and 6 in that box. I have to pick up Lady Killers before the, um, before the next session. Why? Because Tom uh, Hanks plays uh, uh, a high school teacher in. A fake high school teacher and uh, lady killers with a really strong Boston accent. And I'm like, oh, that's why you chose Fire Scar upon the 
rolled a con of four and an appearance of seven. But a dex of 18 and a power of 18. Yeah, yeah the rest of the stats are pretty good. Um, so, first, first thing, the two characters that you don't have, Tomas and Regina. Um, Tomas was arrested a couple of days ago for being drunk and disorderly while trying to pick someone up and got in a bar fight. Um, because you somewhat have, you, you have a loose, um, time goal that you're trying to get to, so you have left him behind yep. the basis of it's his own stupid fault. And dear Regina has had a fit and refused to drive anywhere through the areas you're going through to get to Boston, Arkham, Dunwich, Innsmouth style of thing. Won't go anywhere near them. Well, a woman's place is in the home. Mm. Sorry, what was Tomas's excuse? He has been arrested for drunken disorderly. Weirdo. Yes. Oh, okay. So this guy's my dad. Yes, he is uh, Samuel. The, the Manfred, the deceased Fenelik, Count Fenelik, is Samuel's father and Conrad's father. Yeah. And accordingly, I think uh, great uncle and grandfather. It's very Pomeroy. Yes, trying to go through and work out all the family relations. such a fascist. See, I, I had you in mind when I wrote that, when I wrote, when I wrote that character. I had the loose, the loose connections of, um, you know, they'll all be family members related to each other, but then just let the stats dictate what happened. So, um, what's the difference between the big number and the two small numbers? Okay, so if you'd like to know how to read your stats sheet, yes, um, Basically, what you have is Cthulhu is a percentile roll under system. Yeah. So you take the percentile dice. Um, if I tell you to say make a dexterity check, your dex is at whatever percent. Yeah. So you roll, you succeed, you fail, yeah. whatever. Um, it's seventh edition. Cthulhu introduces a concept called degrees of success. We have uh, okay. so you have four things, right? Ninety-six to a hundred is fumble. <coughs> you not only blow it, you blow it badly. Then you then there's you fail, which is over your skill. Yeah. This this is for you guys. Oh well. yeah. Um, equal to or under your skill is a success. Yeah. Then the little two numbers next to it are half your skill is a hard success, which is just calculated for your ease of working it out. That's equal or under again. That's equal or under again. And an extreme success is a fifth of your success. So these are like um, head fate success with styles and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, a hard, if, if you get a hard or extreme success, if there's any extra benefit to be derived from it, you gain extra information or you gain it faster 
or you break in without leaving any sign you broke in or that sort of thing. And periodically you'll get asked for, you know, doing this task is quite difficult. You have to make a hard success roll on fists or whatever. So the extra numbers are there purely for your convenience, so you can see at a glance what half your skill is and what fifth your skill is. Yeah. The numbers and brackets are default minimum. The numbers and brackets are your default minimums. If you don't have anything listed, then you have that. And in many cases, your skills are at default. I've just um, listed them out for the purposes of and, and the ones that you can't make hard and extreme successes on, if you've only got 1% in something, you can't halve that, yeah. you can't get a fifth of it, so you literally can't succeed at a hard success on something that you have no idea how to do. Even at 3%, your odds are Yes, yes. But, but at 3%, you know, what you know about anthropology is you might have looked at a book somewhere. The initial eight skills are all your science ones, incidentally, which, in which your higher skills affect your lower ones, so that's why you've got three percent. Oh, I see. Not because because being 25% in pharmacy makes you smart enough to know a bit of geology and chemistry and things on the side. Gotcha. This is, this is the sort of house rule stuff we've been playing with in Malathotep. Right. Um, yes, it did seem like a waste of points to put six skills up to three. So there's that... That's hard and extreme successes and that sort of thing. Um, the other concept that gets introduced is what's called pushing your luck. So if you make a, if you make a roll and you don't like it, um, you can push your luck, which is effectively you have a maximum luck score up in the corner here yep. and a current luck score down here. And at any point, you can subtract points off your current luck and effectively add them to your dice roll kind of thing. So if I ask you for an athletics check and you fail by 2%, That's you can spend luck to right. push it further. If you fail by 40, it's a bad idea. Unless it's a, you know, the thing reaches for you to rip your head clean off, make a dodge check, you know, you fail by 40, you may want to spend the luck to survive now, but of course later when I ask you for luck checks, it bites you in the ass. Um, Jared, is it okay if I redo my um, sanity points, magic points and hit points with the marking system that I use in sure, the game? Sure, just make a circle. As long as, it, as long as it's readable to you. It it's no going to stay exactly the same. I just want it um, in the way that I do it. So that is luck and things. <gasps> I've got 15. Um, what are you going to do? Now, uh, a skill check, uh, do, do those tend to be flat roll percent or are they modified based on circumstance? Or? Uh, so the... The seventh edition concept, you have what's called penalty and bonus dice, yep. where what happens is I say, okay, you, you need to fast talk this guy, but you're sort of giving him the right argument, so it's kind of easy for you. So roll me fast talk with a bonus dice, and what happens then is you roll an extra tens dice, mm-hmm. and then take whatever the better roll is for you. Right. So, so it's sort of like advantage and... Yeah, it, it is in fact exactly advantage and disadvantage from fifth edition yep. D. The other one is that because this has been played under one-shot rules instead of campaign rules, uh, all the sanity loss you take will be doubled, so it will appear to be massive compared to what you're taking in the campaign. Um, and, when, and when you spend your luck, 
you spend it at double the cost. So it costs you two luck to move up one yeah, point. Because you don't have to live with the consequences long term, whereas in a campaign it's much much more long term stuff of how much luck you want to play out. Gradually refreshing campaign? Yes. Yes, you train it up from training your skills so you can move it back up by a certain uh, by essentially a random ten. And so the checkboxes beside the skills that relates to advancement. Yeah, and they, doesn't are, they are completely much. meaningless in the one shot because we won't be advancing the characters. But functionally, the way they work in, in campaign mode is you you check mark it when you succeed, and then when you roll, you, then when you get to the GM says it's level up time, you roll and you're trying to fail your checks mm. because the more you know about your skill, the harder it is to learn anything proof. else. Yeah. And then you, if you succeed in failing, then you add a random, you add a d10 to each one oh, style nice. thing. So um, the skill gains can be jumpy and all over the place. Seventy-five credit range. Yes, you're famous. Oh, okay. Didn't realize that famous. Yes. So the difference between credit rating and resources. Resources is how much money you have, yeah. how much physical cash or gems or whatever you can pull out of your pants at any given time. Your credit rating is how respectable you are. Um, generally speaking, they should they, they they in a normal person they vaguely match each other. You have about yay money, you're about yay respectable. In in your case, you're extremely rich and extremely unrespectable. Uh, whereas Lily, on the other hand, is a famously known athlete, so she has a high credit rating, but not a not necessarily substantial resource because she hasn't made much of a fortune at it. Yeah, the um, the conception I have, I have my um, campaign rulebook here, is. Um, An investigator with high credit rating and no resources appears to be prosperous, but actually has nothing of significant worth, such as an English lord who owns a great manor house but can't afford to keep up the grounds or the servants. Uh, An investigator with high resources but no credit rating seems unsavory or their money doesn't earn respect. A mad, a mad millionaire, someone known or someone known to have made their money through drug dealing. So that's 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 where you use it. Um, I haven't gone heavily into equipment for these characters. You can more or less assume you have normal, mundane stuff with you. They got crap. Yep. Um, I'm no, Italian, so mundane is a Tommy gun? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're no, all gangsters. No one here is carrying any weapons unless you have weapons listed under your weapons. Oh, I did end up buying Tommy guns as a as an Italian mobster, as, a, as, a, as an Italian who wasn't a mobster, you were by the time you were finished. Hey, just because I was smuggling in alcohol for myself doesn't mean I was a mobster. So that is about it. Is everybody au fait and happy with what you're doing? Happy with what you're reading? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I get it. My father's a dick. In language. So, at this point, <laughs> you have you have had the funeral. 
you, you, you've had the funeral, basically, you've had the pro, you have had the meeting with the lawyer. Um, all of this has been done um, at the convenience of Samuel Fenelick, so everyone has come to you in your hometown in sort of more middle America than, than out by Boston. Um, and so now you have been driving out, staying in motels and things for a couple of days now in close proximity with the other three people that you are travelling with. Mm-hmm. And we basically cut in on you driving through the car through a random chunk of America. Um, it has gotten... You, you are supposed to be close-ish. You've been pushing it a little bit. It's starting to get dark. People are getting tired. People are getting cranky. You have been swapping drivers and shifts on and off. Um, and you are welcome to dictate the circumstances from there. You are in a car driving wherever, whoever's driving, and whatever argument you're currently having, or polite conversation, or what have you, is up to you. Alright. I'm gonna assume you're driving right now. And you've never, have you ever been to um, Manfred's house? I think so. If you if your listeners having met and interacted with him, and he yeah, I've met him. Yeah, yep. then then probably like once, twice, maybe. Yeah. All right. Marco, look, the map says it was the it's the previous turn off. Uh, maybe. Are you reading it up the right way? Of course, I'm reading it up the right way. Slam <laughs> on the brakes. <laughs> Two more on the left. It's upside down. Two more on the left. I assume you two are quietly sitting in the back. What year is this? What's the date? Uh, it is generically the 1920s specifics, not necessarily relevant. You're welcome to dictate them. We've had this discussion, really. Yeah. This way we'll make it there in one piece. Perhaps it uh, might be wiser if we stop for the evening at a hotel and uh, carry on when there is light to see by. Uh, we, we don't want to be getting lost out here. Yeah, sounds like Everyone's tired. I can uh, see tempers are starting to flare. Uh, I, I know your mind's still in the last century, brother, but we do have headlamps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. We, we should That's the fumble on the driver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have no problems dropping you guys off at a hotel. Look, it's only half an hour from here. We'll be fine. Probably a bit further. Hour and a half-ish, maybe. Um, okay, let me go back. Well, well you can eventually say it's only half an hour. Because <laughs> you know. It's only 45 minutes from here. We'll be fine. starts to rain on the car. 
bit of lightning crackling in the background, storm off in the distance. I slow down. Why don't you sing a song, Lily? You used to love singing songs as a little girl. There's no such thing as high beams on these old things. You just liked me to sing songs. (laughs) Oh, come now. Waiting to hear the song. <laughs> I'm going to sing. Oh, there's a play out. I'm going to sing. You'll get bonus points for it. Have a look. Have a <laughs> They're valuable. Older it makes, they don't have a look. Singing goes over. Uh, it's going to take longer. It's now raining. Actually, vaguely nasty too. Um, yeah. You can pretty easily see in the review mirrors the storm is behind you rather than ahead of you, so oh. you're driving ahead of it, but it is getting, you know, dark rain, etc. Et well, the roads are straightish. Yeah, vaguely. Okay, it's, it's, um, everything's, mo- most everything in this area is pretty much gravel road. Puts which a little is, heavy so, then on the pedal. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Would his home have hot water, or would we have to? What's your resources? No, his home. Where we going? How old is it? Yeah. Yes, as as far as you're aware, it's got all the modern conveniences, electricity, hot water, etc., etc. Yeah, but we'd have to turn it on. Yes. Oh. Thinking about it. I guess there won't be any hot water when we get there. That is one of the things a hotel has to recommend it. Why did Father always have to be so difficult? I'm sure that's... Look out! (laughs) Drive wrong! Yes, by ten. So, <laughs> 60 out of 70. It is a normal success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you suddenly see something up ahead. Um, and everybody in the car gets a spot check. <laughs> what was the fumble again? That's it. 96 100. So, but it's, it's largely revolutionary. Like you're just looking in completely the wrong place. You're staring out the back window. Yep. Too focused on the road. A uh, hard success spot. Okay. No. Okay. So, Samuel, I presume not you. No. Um, Samuel, up in the head in the road, you see something. In the middle of the road, just in a flash of someone illuminated by the headlights in front of the car, and you've got just enough time to shout, you know, look out, stop, or something in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, which is essentially team working with Marco. Yep. Um, so you're now rolling that drive roll at what's called a bonus dice. Yep. So effectively, pick up your tens one and roll it again, and take whatever's the better result for you. Because a hard success will get you better, and an extreme success will get you better again. The style of thing. So it's a hard success. Okay. So 
you see that you you're kind of the, the car is not moving enormously fast here. You're about <coughs> fifteen, maybe twenty miles an hour kind of yep. thing. If you're, going, if you're going a bit heavy, it's about twenty. <coughs> and you see there is a figure in the middle of the road. Somebody pale. You have just enough time to see it. hear Samuel yell, "Look out!" And your your choice of swerve off the road or hit them. What is swerve off? Has it completely off the road crash or just well, around that, them? That depends on how well you control the car. Right, well, mine would be swerving around them, okay. but close to. So there is the scream. Um, you hear a thump, and the car goes judder, 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 and everyone gets shaken and rattled. Teeth hurt slightly as the car screams off the side of the road, but screams to a halt before you actually hit a tree. Yeah. You have driven off the road and probably done some very minor damage to the suspension and things, but appears to be fun. Who the fuck was that? What are you talking about? Look outside. Yeah. The, 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 the two of you that failed the, the spot checks get just enough to hear Samuel shout, Look out! Yeah. And then boom! It's this light, it like, we won't see it now when we look out, right? That's the um, trope, right? Uh, there's someone lying on the road. Oh, they were just they, they were standing a minute ago. I'm going to march out to the guy. No, I should have slamming the car door. Um, so you step out into the rain, go up yeah. to see this figure. Yeah, uh, it is a girl. They are lying. She is lying on the road, unconscious. Did we hit her? You had no idea. You yeah. something went thump. Um, she doesn't look like she's been splattered all over the road. She's clearly in relatively one piece. But she looks pale, wet, soaked through to the skin, and is just out. There's a young woman in the road. Jesus, <laughs> not you. Uh, need some I'm looking at the... Uh, <laughs> Car. Pop the trunk, will you, Marco? Investigate the car. <laughs> Marge yeah. is back. Into the now starting to drive in rain, yep. getting a bit wet and things, and you, you, you can indeed pop the trunk, trivially. You, you go over, investigate the car. Well, uh, can you give me, me? Um, your choice of either drive or repair? <laughs> Differences being... Essentially none. Drive will give you sufficient knowledge of cars. Repair will also give you sufficient knowledge of cars. So take whichever's better for you. So a success on drive. Okay. Or repair. So you go over and look at the car. You think you've actually done a pretty good job swerving out of the way. Um, There's there's probably some more wear on the tyres, but none of the tyres appear to be deflated, which would be your first thought, the thump being the sort of bang pop of a tyre going pop. There is a bit of mud in that all over the front of the car. You'll appear to have ploughed through a couple of bushes. The headlights are a bit smeared. But it's pretty much cosmetic damage yep. at this point. You don't even appear to have a lot of dents or scrapes. Not that it's your car in the first place. I, I imagine it's probably Conrad's fancy six-man uh, sort of rolls it's, it's and stuff. It's more if it was leaking and then we had to walk through this way. Yeah, no. It, it appears to be pretty much largely fine. <coughs> you think getting it back on the road will be pretty easy. Yep. You, know, you need to make a sort of t- a seven or eight-point turn to get it out of the bushes again, but that's no, not going to be a problem. Yep. I'll uh, see if I can find uh, Samuel's good overcoat in uh, the trunk yep. and uh, take it over to 
I said a blanket, damn it. Yeah, I'm not sure that we're travelling with blankets. He's, he's kneeling over this girl on the road. Yeah. So can we, can we check yeah. yeah. She's like breathing. Yeah. Oh, first aid. Can I assist? Yes, you can. So the assistance is basically you, you roll to assist. If yeah. you succeed, you get a bonus die. If you fumble, you add a penalty die when yeah. you're leaning all over her making a hash of it. And if you fail, you're just generally unhelpful. Yep, I succeed. You've got higher skills than me. Is is the main reason for assisting to bump something from a success to a hard success? Oh, that's a hard success. Or to succeed in the first place. Because you you assist them. I roll with these guys. But the only way you can assist is by succeeding at the roll. Yes. So if you think you'd be able to succeed, you may as well... No, it's the, I've got 30, this person's got 50. I will just give it a chance. Basically. And, and okay. I, if I succeed, it means that instead of rolling that dice, uh, take I whatever roll the best roll those dice, roll and I take team, the best yeah. of the And then take percentage. the best roll you've got. Okay. It's a, we all try and help. So I'm going to zero 05, which was a... Um, extreme success extreme on the first day. Okay. <laughs> she was dead, but now she's not. <laughs> oh, because she's no longer dead, she's <laughs> undead. Didn't actually matter. So you step over to her. Um, she looks quite heavily dishevelled. She has several bumps and bruises on her. Uh, your guess is that she's actually been running through the trees. You don't think the car has hit her. You think she's run in front of it, yeah. and then possibly from the shock or just sheer exhaustion has then collapsed. Yeah. Um, you think you could bring her around very easily if you so choose to do so? That is in your first aid role. Immediately do that. Um, before he does, just just and looking her cold. over, just just looking her over, you know, white and sort of pale. Well, ignoring her condition. What what social class does it look like she's from? Not like I care, oh but but just like just so I know. Uh, she actually looks quite respectable, uh, middle class, yeah. very much your sort of people. Oh, good. Yeah. Just just thought I. Wow. I mean, obviously she's dishevelled and worn, but her clothes are nice. She looks like a respectable young lady, sort of. Given the extreme, barely out of her teens, you'd guess, very maybe late teens, very early twenties. Cool, I made the right call. And yeah, you, you, she's fine. She's fine. She needs to be warm. You wrap her up in in the overcoat because nobody bought you a blanket, despite your requests. Um, (laughs) And. You start warming up and lifting her up, and you sort of shake. You, you sort of know what to do. You shake her very gently, and sort of just you know pinch her skin slightly and pull her a bit. She sort of. Uh, Hello. Hello. Grandfather. Young woman, you were lying in the middle of the road. Vaguely comes up to a sitting position. I, I was. What? Do you know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> where? He said, Where? I know where we are. I'm confused. What's your name? What? Harry, I said the poor woman, I've got a tire iron and I'm beating the bush back a bit to make it easy to drive out. 
Um, reverse it back onto the yeah, road. Yeah, Not over her. They're doing so. Yes, yes. So I presume you don't run over the entire rest of your family who are in the middle of the road. Well, if they're all dead, I inherit everything, don't they? Wow. <laughs> yes, once you survive the week in the manor, no problem. I, I see that the person you care about most isn't here, so you're just fucking up. You're fuck over everyone else. That should be a good dynamic. Which is what you said never happens in Cthulhu. Mm. Campaign. <laughs> in the campaign, I said. She sits up, sort of rubbing from her head, looks kind of vacant. I'm. I'm. Uh, you see, not such a foolish question, was it? What's going on? Who are you? Where, where am I? Ah, well, as I said, that I can answer. And with your extreme success from your first aid, you can pick up this seems. Genuine. You have no idea if it's a long term or short term. Probably you actually have to, you know, yeah, yeah, do more tests than that. But she, it doesn't appear that she's woken up and decided to lie to you so much as she is, in fact, exceedingly disoriented, cold. Yeah. You're in the middle of the highway, young lady. Give us some coffee. I, I think Conrad drank the last of that oh, two hours ago. It's still raining. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Excuse me. Just, just, just over here. Okay, th- thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> you popped the cork out of a bottle. <laughs> she takes it and, and sort of sniffs at it. What are you actually offering? <laughs> okay. Come labeled. I don't that's know if that's... Uh, <clears throat> she, she will actually sip at it kind of mechanically without thinking. <laughs> and <then she'll coughs> oh, um... Sorry, what, what is this? It's medicinal alcohol. I, I, I don't think alcohol is quite proper for a lady of my station, I'm sorry. It's are medicinal? We under, no, we're not under prohibition yet, are we? No. Prohibition's 30? Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. Uh, no, in fact, um, depending on where in the 20s you are, you could be... Yeah, yeah. we're after the 20s. But it's, you know, observed in the breach rather than... Well, yes, after. but uh, that, that would yeah. be an Which, interesting... Piece of information. Yeah, it actually really would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. but I've, I've got a certificate that says the doctor says I'm now for medical purposes. If you can, then it is 1927, and thus in the midst of prohibition. Okay. okay. Uh, 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 uh. Quite right. I can also give you the day and date if you can. <laughs> Quite right, young woman. If if you could just tell us your name. I'm. I go sit in the car, close the door. Why do tell me when something sounds familiar, my dear? The United States of America, state of Massachusetts, yes, yes, this Suffolk is, County. This is Arkham County. I, uh, I, 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 I take it that's wrong. No, that is oh, that, correct. Okay. You, are, you are passing through vaguely the township of Arkham, right, on the way to somewhere outside Boston. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. In which case, I, I would yeah, you, you don't necessarily actually know exactly where you are at this given point, but that's probably correct. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be a bother. I, I was. I, I don't know how I got here. No, no, it's quite all right. Can we take you back to your grandfather, then? 
if you would, that, that, that would be great if you could. So get we have a map of, here. Out of the um, into the where does your grandfather live? Uh, in the township there? Yeah. She is still shivering wildly. Um, Peter's in the car, not really a concept at yeah. this point. Do you know your address? What's well, an air vent that blows the hot air from the engine into the car? It, it's just, just, well, you, you just run a, a hose of some sort from the exhaust. Just, yeah. <laughs> It'll warm you for a while. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Well, perhaps the local church, someone might know her family? What's the nearest town on there, Samuel? I'm assuming Arkham. Guess this dude. Arkham. And had we already passed through, or...? Uh, you are comparatively close to... Um, you, you, you have... You're comparatively close going forward to it, actually. Well, it's approximately on the way. Indeed. Find a decent hotel. Yeah. Arkham, Arkham Township is still a ways away. Um, your map is pretty crude at this point, um, but you know, you know, there's generally outlying houses, farms, gas stations, cafes, whatever that kind of thing. Mm. Long before you get to the township proper. So, yeah, I mean, a- as in, like, you've got the, the you've got because you've got the overarching map of the state. So it says Boston here, you know, Arkham here, Bolton here, etc., etc. But it does, it's not laid out to the macro yeah. house level. Um, so if we see lights before we reach the town, it might be a good idea to stop. Yeah. Given you, that somebody local is more likely to know than some random person in a town. Yeah, very much so. Well, I have to say, after all this excitement, I'm quite coming round to your suggestion, Conrad. Yes, well, an hour later... It would only help if, you know, all of you get in the car. We are. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah. Can everyone give me a con roll? Constitution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hard success. Failed by nine. Hard success. What do you think? Massive failure? Not massive. Okay, so... Everyone is now wet and cold, having been outside the car for several minutes for various reasons. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking hotels. Um, The two of you that are failing are both starting to shiver and sneeze, both. It's it's certainly not the immediate pneumonia or anything like that. It's just... There's stuff that will build up. Yeah, hands starting to shake a little, that kind of thing. Uh, and if you want to know specific information about the area, that is um, what used to be a known role and is now an education role. Interesting. Yes. Mm. It, it, literally, the way your education is generated is the base stat times five, which is the same as what your known role would be. So no, it's just removed. Critical success. <laughs> this die is rolling awesome. Just not for this game. Okay, so... So, Samuel... It, it, this is probably actually not something you know off the top of your head so much as the map you have is yes. really excellent and yes. you know exactly how to read it. I purchased it from the store with this intention. Um, 
We're the appropriate society level person. You have do, do you want your distances in, in miles, which is period appropriate, or kilometers, which is actually understandable? Miles. Okay. Absolutely. Area appropriate. Um, so, according to your very precise map, which is much more precise than the one Conrad was looking at, um, you, there, there is a gas station and cafe about a mile up the road listed on your map. But that would be close, probably. Just another site. Yes, Possibly. Yeah. But that's the closest building. Uh, old ones drive up, you ring a bell. They live there. Yeah. They grumble and come out. Yeah. So, yeah. What does Ethan <coughs> times five slash linguistics actually mean? Oh, um, that's your languages you speak. Yeah. Um, in which you speak a bunch of languages based on your linguistic skill. Yeah. Um, and if you have to make a, um, if, if if you you speak English automatically by virtue of yeah. being an English speaking character, if you need to make an English role for whatever reason, like you're interpreting some sort of very, you know very old English text that you can theoretically read, then the role you're making for yep. is either your education times five, which is your, your education score essentially, because um, the, the stats used to be generated by three d six. Right. Now so they're generated by three d six times five to give you a percentage. Yeah. So the, the, the times five here oh, right. is a, an anachronism. But but if yes, it is right. the old characters. But if your linguistics is higher, you use that yes. instead. So if you're a character who's undereducated but speaks ten languages, your linguistics score is probably really high. Yeah. So you use that in place. Yeah. No, it's just the times five that was thrown because it yeah. didn't seem to. No, no. It's it's because your education. Well, your your, your, your education would be eleven in sixth yeah. edition, and it's now fifty five percent instead. Uh, seems to me a guess. Station, little ways in town, will be a cafe, but that's probably closed. But we can ask at the gas station if anyone knows you, young lady. Uh, perhaps reciting something yes. familiar to you. Soldier of the skin. Yeah. Um, uh, times tables, perhaps the Lord's Prayer. Have you looked in her pockets? I'm a high school teacher. This is a young girl, so I'm like. Have you looked in her pockets for a? She indeed starts fumbling around. As I start out the car and start driving down the road. She's almost bordering on on indecent with how wet she is. She's in my coat. Yes, yes. But um, because she starts sort of pulling it aside to fumble around her pockets and things. I'm trying to look. She says I... I, I have this. Um, she pulls off her neck um, what looks like an antique silver chain with a little, um, what do you call it, the locket? Yeah. On the bottom of it. Pops it open. I, I think this is my grandfather. A picture of an older man. In it's not Count Manfred Finlick. It is not, in fact, okay. Count Manfred Finlick. You're pretty confident of that. Because if it was, we'd stop and kick her out and drive <laughs> on again. <laughs> Well, you're just going to be a bastard, aren't you? <laughs> Start to finish. He's already, this is Cameron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's Cameron playing Cameron. But he's my favourite family member. For some reason. For some reason. reason. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's written from the GM's interpretation of his character, yeah. though. Your opinion may change as you spend more time with the real Marco Fellow. Yeah. I think I'm with my brother. He's weird, but at least not, you know, 
an asshole. Mm. But he's respectable because Mark is a tradesman. Mm. His natural job. I'm always angry. <laughs> the first it's a aspect. Mm. Yeah, it's secret. And as you always a role, can everybody give me a hard spot in roll? Or spot roll. <laughs> You're staring out the back window as well. Hard, uh, so I got 31, so yes. Yeah, so you'll see your hard as the number. um, Yeah, I'm on. So. So You've got over 60 spot. I've got 89 spot. Okay, cool. That's my highest skill, I think. Always on the lookout for social. People doing the wrong thing, social. You can't hide those cigarettes from me, young lady. Often the distance through the trees, sort of vaguely parallel to the road, what must be at least several hundred metres away, there is a light moving through the trees. Sort of appear, disappear as it goes behind a tree, appear, disappear. I see. You see it down the side does, of the does anyone see something odd? In, in Did anyone the come close to succeeding on a hard success? In or out of the car? Nobody sees it. There's I didn't even come close to succeeding normal. on a normal success. What's odd now? I slow down in case someone else runs out it's in front like of a, us. A, a lantern. <laughs> they, they do so immediately because yeah. you're in a dream sequence. How fast is it moving? Is it like a lantern or a another car or... Uh, it is, if, if the car continues moving, you are driving past it, so... Yeah, but is it moving relative to us? Uh, sorry, I haven't quite followed the question. Did, did she see, or did he see something moving in the trees, or did he see something stationary in the trees? Moving in the trees. Okay. Just, just stop for a second, Marco. There's something there. Sure. <laughs> it's now several hundred metres behind you as well as several hundred metres out to the right of you. Yeah. Because it's driven past. But now I can see if it's... Yeah, you think you could, you could find it again, potentially. I have an idea where it was. Did it look like the young lady's grandfather? No. Then perhaps we have higher priorities. Do you want to get out and go look for it? No, in the did you I'm see? not that careful. <laughs> no, it... Just strange light. He shrugs and gets back into the car. Yeah. The weather is starting to get worse, incidentally. Yeah. Like the storm, in the, the storm, sky. The storm has basically caught up with you at this point by the time you have stopped now for the, the second <laughs> walk of several minutes. Well, maybe it was just someone with the light. We could go back. Oh, it's fine. We can't pick up everyone. Everyone we find on the side of the road, we must take with us. Right, <laughs> more bodies, yeah. 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 The slower we go, the faster the young woman will get pneumonia. Did, did you say there was a light? Yes. She cranes her head and looks out the back window, you know, trying to see what you're looking at. So she'd be like squished between the yes, two. Well, hardly squished. Uh, that was a six seater roll. Oh, was it a six seater? Oh, okay. She passes out. We need to get her warm. 
sort of just slumps over the right. I'm not surprised she's exhausted, poor woman. Oh, I can burst out of the road at her, so I will keep driving along. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the the car is now just crawling. Yep. If assuming you're trying to drive more carefully at this point. Yes. Um, you're, you're going at sort of about five miles an hour style thing. Fast enough just to keep the tyres out of the mud. Yep. So the car crawls along. The storm is now well over you. It is thunder. It is lightning. It is heavy rain. Um, and you're, you're, you're actually glad you're going slowly because your visibility is shit. The, the headlamps dimly illuminate the road in front of you. Um, and can you give me another drive roll? <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard success. And like, this is the kind of thing where people can't generally teamwork with you because they can't lean over and drive the car with you. That would be a hindrance to help. So you will see up ahead long before there's any danger from it. Um, you, the first thing you see is in the middle of the road, there's a truck which is sort of swerved, almost blocking the entire road. Lights on, door open. Um, you stop long before you come remotely close to hitting it. And then you can just see dimly through the rain there is a big building next there there are a couple of big buildings next to it and the truck headlights are pointing at a sign that reads Orchard Run Gas and Diner. Where in fact where I looked at on the map. Yep. And there do indeed appear to be lights on and Okay, cool. Because it was beginning to sound like someone had blocked off the road and were gonna rob us. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the lights off right back with it. thought for a second, but that's where we should be. Uh, and you, you can you can make an assessment using either your spot or your drive of the position of the truck in relative to run around run, run. Success on drive. Success on spot, just. Just. I rolled eighty four out of eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah. So Marco, you you do indeed put this concept through your head of what if someone's blocked the road to rob us style of thing because we've got Rich Uncle Conrad with us. Um, it, but it, it really it doesn't look like the driver's swerved out of control or anything it just looks like phenomenally bad driving you can see the skid marks in the mud where he's literally sort of gone just slewed the truck over then has obviously jumped out of the cabin door so fast that he hasn't even bothered to shut it or turn his headlights off so his truck's going to be screwed in several hours but it, it, it doesn't look like an ambush to you. It looks like the subject of just extremely poor or reckless driving. Uh, so he's parked really badly or he's really had to go to the loop. <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> really <laughs> badly. <laughs> well, uh, some people can be inconsiderate. Some people definitely can be. Perhaps we should get her into the diner where there'll be some heat. Mm. Does anyone have strength? Have what? Strength. Uh, by have, what sort of numbers are you talking about? I have 45. Uh, so, so to give you a relative... Aspect 2, tripping over my own muscles. <laughs> to, to give you a relative okay. idea... Um, he is an... For quite a aspect, he looks like a steroid abuse muscle It's, it's literally 50% is 80% muscles. 
So at 50%, you are no yes. more or less strong than your average person. Um, size yeah. and intelligence are no, both average pretty higher. So he he made no effort to look at the woman. Yeah. Yeah. About he now. just drove the car around, sat there, and let the range get to the Just based on how it's generated, because yeah. people of sufficiently small size, like somebody of 30% size, isn't. Um, Subnormal, they're actually you know approaching midget status, or they're a child, or something yeah. like that. Whereas you know forty percent size is you're, you're simply quite small for a person, uh, or old and wise. Marco, yeah. perhaps you could help lift the young lady. Uh, how about I get us there first? I thought we were no, we stopped at a distance. I'll drive up slowly. Yep. I'll Just delay that until you get under there. cover first. Drive, drive around the truck. Um, there is indeed actually cover. There is a little sort of covered over area that is clearly sort of a crude, a parking, basic parking yeah. lot with a roofing structure over it that's providing some semblance for the rain and a couple of cars actually parked in it. <laughs> and you can trivially pull yeah. out and park in there normally get out of the car. And what is your strength? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This little, like, bedraggled, wet wife-like girl, you can pick her up with absolutely no difficulties and carry her in any way you're so Same size as Lily? Uh... 45% size. 65. So perfect. You want to get some extra clothes for her. These ones are all wet. Off. Right. Towards the diner. Yeah, I see you as being tall with the kind of athletes. Yeah. Martial yeah. That's up to you. You're, you're si- if your size is small, you're either short, skinny, or both. And opposite, you're either tall, fat, or both. Probably be like 65 is above average. Yep. Right. 15% above average. Right. Yeah, yeah probably uh, slightly taller. Size was. Wait, what? I'm size 85%. Size was yep. uh, 6 plus 6. You're tall, 6. So. I reckon this character would be 3 was 7, so 13 is the average yeah. size. Or, or maybe just. Uh, no, with this character, I'd go with tall and slightly plump. Like, he's in his yeah. 50s. Yeah, so he's tall, tall, and, tall and a bit podgy. Yeah. 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 So you're certainly not obese, but you're no. podgy. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, on, so rather than heading directly into the diner, I will actually uh, stop by and switch off the truck's headlights and close the door just so the cab doesn't do it. Yep, easily done. Um... When you look inside, it's very obvious to see there are several liquor, there, there are several what look like open sort of hip flask style things because alcohol at this point is not sold in cans or glass bottles with brand labels on it's them. It's not yet. sold at all. Yeah, yeah, you, you wouldn't expect to find Fortunately, that. Fortunately, you had a stock. Um, but, but the sort of several unlabeled hip flasks and the cab, cab reeks of alcohol suggest to you the obvious. And yeah, you trivially hop in, turn the lights off, shut the cab. Um, there is indeed. Well, I'd get another set of clothes. The keys are actually sitting in the, sitting in the ignition still, yeah. which you can take or leave as you desire. Happy to leave those. Yeah. Yeah. You you open the back, just, just close it to keep out of the actual rain, but shivering, yeah. and take out you know a couple of sets of you know your yeah, yeah. sort of heavier petticoat style thing, yeah. petticoat or whatever the hell it is that you wear. Well, I'm sure technically she'd have a selection for both mm-hmm. because she prefers some of the more practical stuff. <laughs> it's the yeah. 20s. All I own are flapper dresses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah, yeah, there's still a whole bunch of other stuff going on, so yeah. So, dresses stuff. Yep, no problem. Move it to the. Why don't you have stuff like those tennis shorts? Yeah. Kind of over the door, walk in. Hello! Everybody heads in. And the <coughs> you head in. Can everyone give me a crit rating? What sort of first impression do you make? Walk in, but drag it out of the store. Hard. Actually, oh, yeah. succeed. No, succeed. I succeed. Hard success. Okay, because I'm carrying the woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's because you're muscly. You I'm carrying. You walk in looking very heroic, Marco, because you've got on like you know the sort of white shirt that's wet through from the brain, yeah. the the biceps you know rippling and defined. You probably wear that very tight muscle oh, shirt yeah. that's squeezed off like that. I think carrying her heroically in two arms, you sort of don't so much kick the door open to shatter it as just push it with the foot as you come yeah. through walking in all looking like sort of vaguely wet bedraggled but respectable type travellers except for Marco who looks like a hero <laughs> yeah we're um, boring by comparison and there are really good yeah yeah who's the, who's the lady um, okay, who's the lady there are five people in this in this cafe. I'm proud of you, family. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you look all look respectable. You can a bunch of, uh, respectability uh, is everything. First I'm, aspect. I'm fifteen percent respectable. <laughs> We're trying. It's good. Dude. You're putting in an I, I think he succeeded because he hasn't opened his mouth yet. <laughs> Yeah, I deliberately gave the character nothing but base credit rating. Um, there are five people in here. Um, there is a guy behind the counter who is presumably the owner or manager or something like that. that portly fellow, moustache. On a brown shirt. No, they, these guys actually have pictures that aren't hideous, so, you know. Woo! Amazing. It's not a fish man! Yeah, amazing, really, not fish people. Um, there is a... But there, there is a quite large, um, sort of hard-worn-looking guy um, sitting over in the corner that the manager is talking to. In fact, most of the cafe seems to be gathered around. Um, and there is an older couple, an older man and an older woman, uh, both dressed in very respectable-looking, you know, proper middle-class clothing, mm-hmm. sort of quietly having coffee and whittering to each other in the, in the corner. Um, and then sort of leaning across, le- leaning against the counter, looking vaguely bored, um, there is what's clearly the waitress um, in a very pretty dress for the diner. She's very done up. Um, and has sort of, um, you know, the necklace of pearls and that sort of thing on. Looks quite like she takes a lot of effort with her appearance. Name tag? Uh, no, actually. Um, the... Manager has um, a manager says has hello I'm Sam on them. The, the girl has nothing. Yeah. Um, and they look up as you come in, and the burly looking guy staggers up as you come in. He says, "There, you see, they'll tell you, they'll tell you. You saw her out there, didn't you? Didn't you? You you've come in from the rain, and and." and and yeah, so, I saw your badly parked truck. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, the manager says, 
Now, sorry, oh, sorry about that, says the manager. If if we can find out what he's done with the keys, we can we can move it. Yes. And, and he he moves slightly round so he's out of the guy's line of view, and then makes this drinky drinky gesture to you. <laughs> yes. Oh, the keys are still in it. <laughs> Sam, is it? I don't suppose there's a doctor nearby. Uh, he he looks at the woman in your the girl in your arms and goes, "No, my goodness, what's happened? Can't come in. Come in. Uh, we we do have a heater in here. Bring her over. We'll get yes, her warm. Thanks. Uh, do any of you know her? She Mary, Mary, get get her some coffee. A local. Mary sort of rolls her eyes slightly. <laughs> yeah, Mary, Mary says no because she's quite contrary. Um, and Sam comes over, you know, looks over, brushes the hair back. Oh, sure, sure, we know her. Uh, this is Amelia. Um, Amelia or Emilia, one of the two, anyway. Uh, uh, Webb, she's the doctor's granddaughter. They live in oh, our cabin not far from here. We found her staggering around in the rain. Ran out the road and fell out in front of the car. She's, she hasn't been able to respond. She's taken a bit of a bump to the head. It probably got her, says the trucker. We must have seen it out there. The light. The dead light. Now, now, Jake, calm down. A bit much to drink here. I'm going to get some more coffee. I don't need any more coffee! Smash! Cup flies across the room. The old couple on the corner says, Oh, oh my never. And the girl, the, the waitress at the counter flinches. Oh, just kindly walk over and put a hand on her shoulder and push her back into the chair. Please, sir, calm down. Uh, hang, hang on there, Mark. Now, Samuel, perhaps you could yeah, describe... buddy. Persuade. <laughs> Sit down, calm down, and shut up. Fumble. No, it's a hard success, almost a critical success. Yeah. <laughs> but can we continue with this dice-rolling abilities? Well, I've got 65 so, Persuade. He, he, he bribes some god of he sort of, which is literally there because it's the intimidates. Yeah, yeah. So he gets very argy, but he sort of stands up, and you know he looks kind of burly and built as well, yeah. and not to your extent, sort of ah, oh, buddy, you know, who do you think you're talking to? Pokes you in the chest a couple of times, and then yeah. you you go look, just you know, sit down. And he eyes you up for a minute, <laughs> sort of assesses his chances. You flex and pop the shirt of his. Sits it's back now. I'm telling you, I, I saw it. Yes, but perhaps I want no trouble. You could describe no that already. strange light you saw out. You saw it, didn't you? The oh. dead light. Maybe it's the same one. Well, or her grandfather as, walking in the woods looking for her. As uh, uh. as my daughter said, it was probably just a lantern. Well, perhaps, but I it seems very it. important to the gentleman. And drive hosing fucking rain. You get into the truck and drive it into a better parking spot. So it doesn't get in the way of me needing to escape if needs be. But also, so no one else hits it. Can you actually make me a drive check? Because it is a truck. Doing this with a car would not be a problem at all. Uh, uh, That's a critical success. An extreme success? Yes. What a waste. You're reparking a bit. (laughs) Yes, so that it doesn't encumber me when I try and leave the place in a rush. You may park the truck wherever (laughs) you you consider helpful to you. You can move it well out of the way of the other cars. Yep. (laughs) It's well out of the way, but also equally accessible if we need to use it to drive over something big. 
something <laughs> like that. He's going to blow up the entrance of the next room and sit the place on fire. <coughs> Pointed out on towards the road, you know, ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah. Parallel parks next to the sideways next to your car. Yeah. Either vehicle you could leap into at a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. Place that the truck gets hit versus our car. First. I'm sure it was nothing untoward. But, but please, please, at least indulge the man. There's nothing to indulge. How fast was it moving? Oh, do do tell us, dear. Says says the old. Uh, Jake's been telling us about it. He, he saw some sort of big glowy light out there. A dead light, I tell you. It it chased my truck. It's oh, coming here next. On the ground, or would you describe it as flying? It, it was. Uh, it was floating. It was. It was flying. <laughs> About so high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It was. It was coming through the trees after my truck came onto the road. I was. I was fast enough for it, but I. I got here. And it didn't come any closer when I got here. I don't think it likes the lights here. A light. You're laughing at me, Miss. God, what the hell happened to your face? I got burned in a fire. Oh. Oh. That's my daughter. <laughs> he looks kind of awkward <laughs> That's my, This is my daughter you're speaking to, sir. Oh. Oh, that, that explains a little of it. <coughs> I pour myself some coffee and give some to Amelia. And Sam sort of... Set up yeah. Sam, the, um, the the proprietor, you know, claps his hands loudly a couple of times. Lights go says, off. Let's <laughs> let's get let's get you folks some coffee in a big loud voice. You know, would you like anything hot to eat? Hello, oh, Jake already said he doesn't want any more coffee. <laughs> and, and approaches Samuel and says, I'm, "I'm sorry about Jake. He's he's a good lad at heart, but but he drinks I know that boy. poison for the soul." Couldn't agree with you more. He doesn't ship any of our goods, I'll tell you that. So they're, they're vaguely with, cooking hot meals? Where, where does she live? Sam. Precisely? Yes, you are. In a cabin. Somewhere nearby. <coughs> um, if you produce a map. Map? Yeah, it doesn't have the cabin on it. Sam thinks about Ah, here are some circles. And here are your And her grandfather is a doctor. Well, retired now. Dr. Webb hasn't done the active work for eight, ten years. Oh, lucky her, then. I'll get you folks on some good... I'll get you folks on something good, something good and hot. Nice nice bit of hash brown, maybe. Is Amelia still out? Yes. You, I assume people have, like, put her in a Can we get yeah, smelling salts, maybe? Um... If, are people going over to you going over to a poker and things? I, I suppose. Yeah. Hot coffee. Yeah, we might as well get some sailing now. When you go over to her, she is sort of turning her head slightly and muttering under her breath. If you lean to do the big ears. The light. The light. The light. Light. The dead light. <laughs> light. Grandfather. Light. Uh, you, you 
there are no smelling salts available here, uh, but you can indeed basically bring her around again if you put several minutes into it. You know, <coughs> put a little bit of coffee on her, sort of splash some cold water on her face, style thing, just what she needs to go with the other cold water and the hypothermia. Mm. And indeed, um, Emilia comes around again. Stick it in the fireplace, get yeah. a hot bottle. She is starting to warm up. <coughs> yeah. And she sort of. Uh, the eyes flutter open. Oh, did we get a first name on Dr. Wee? Uh, or did they just say... They, they did indeed just address him as Dr. Webb, but uh, you can trivially get uh, Hieronymus. <laughs> Kill him on sight. <laughs> Dr. Hieronymus Webb. I Back approve mark. of this Hieronymus Webb. Mentally eats up. <sighs> Obviously Webb is a clue that a real name. Mm. It's a spider. Mm. <laughs> He's a disguise. Well, young lady, have you remembered anything more? Uh, she sits up and sort of sips at the coffee. These good people say that your name is Amelia. Uh, I, uh, uh, or Amani. Persuade them. Can make separately or teamwork up. Oh, I'm shit at persuade. I'll shit at people. Okay. The, the two uncharismatic well, older men. That's not going anywhere. Neither is this. <laughs> so you you lean over her and sort of ask her repeatedly, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Well, well he, your he's on? creepy, and yeah. I'm like a high school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us. Not she, she sort of falls. She sort of falls. That's true. You're wealthy. I, 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 I,
Yeah. Amelia, you've got wet clothes. Lily here has some warm clothes. Yeah, so room over there to get changed in. Some spare clothes here. And and Mary, the waitress, comes bustling around this point. She says, oh, uh, I'll help her if you like. Smiles around, um, smiles at you in particular, being the young man here. Um, Oh, wait, I'm and just 50 something? Yeah, I know. But, but you can look. Just not look like you're looking. And she will take Amelia. Make a stealth check. Basically. Your teacher's looking but not looking. Look. Get out, out back into the bathroom of the cafe, yeah. essentially. So they disappear for several minutes. Um. She eats her some. Uh, Sam, my good man, can you recommend a, a hotel in the vicinity, somewhere we might uh, spend the night? Well, sir, uh, if that weather's any judge, I think you might be spending the night here. I wouldn't take your car out and that again. The roads get awfully curvy up ahead. Damn good way to have an a damn good way to have an accident, if you ask me. Invited, uh, the, I've invited the Winifreds here to. Well, it's not comfy, but to bunk in on the bunk in on the booths. There's a hotel uh, about forty minutes ahead. Normal driving conditions. Double that in this. I see. The booth bunking. Over the background of this, there is the constant shh. <laughs> I share a thing with my brother. Booth bunking. I'm sorry. Instead of sitting, you lie on it. I'm aware. <clears throat> well, thank you for your generous offer. <clears throat> mm. Quite right. Quite right. <laughs> Both of us go. <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> but I'm too polite to say. Uh, I'll sit down with a slightly drunk idiot. Give him more coffee. I said I've had enough coffee. <laughs> so it's Jake, Jake, Jake Burns. You believe me, don't you, Marco? You believe me, Marco, don't you? It's out there. Have you seen anything like it? Uncle saw the light. I was keeping an eye on the road. It, it came onto the road. It, it, it chased my truck. <laughs> How fast was it going? How drunk were you at the time? Hey, you shut up there, Miss. You're never going to find a husband with that sort of attitude. Oh, that sort of face. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Vic, but you know I'm right. What do you think? It is... It came off the truck. Must have been going... Man does have a 30, 40 miles. Not really. Just like as fast as the truck would possibly yeah. go anyway. I'm telling you, it, it came right for me, and then it's just one. Then, then it it went away. But I saw it. Confident. We really haven't. I didn't like it. It, it was weird. It was dead. He shivers a bit. So dead about it. If you don't believe me, why don't you go out there in the rain and look for yourself? Opinion now, now. Jake, let's not figure out anything stupid. Well, I can 
count. And, and you can hear this running conversation in the background from the two Wilfreds, the, the older couple Wilfreds, who are just kind of whittering pleasantly to each other. You know, it's, it's just, they're talking to each other like there's no one else in the room. Oh dear, he seems awfully upset, doesn't he, dear? Yes, that, that poor young lady, you know, what terrible things happened to her, you know, a fire, how frightful. They're just completely in their own corner, having their own dithering little conversation. Not ignoring what's going on around them, they're talking continuously about it, but they're clearly living in their own world. You're, you're great entertainment, too. Sam gets back out and starts handing food out. Have Mary and Amelia come back? They have not. Has it been longer than one would expect it would take to... Uh, give me... This is what used to be an idea roll, which is now intelligence. Uh, massively critical success. Five under the, uh, the third box. Okay. So super mega extreme success. Um, so your guess would be, based on you know the woman's fashions at the time in the petticoat, assuming that she'd be slower than normal and everything else, um, they are about... Five minutes over. They're about five minutes over what you'd expect them to be. <laughs> they're not prompt. Even even on a generous allocation of let's give the poor dear you know several more minutes because she's obviously in shock and things. Lily dear, do you want to go and see if Mary needs a hand? They've been rather a while. All right, Madam, listen to this. This old this drunkard. Tick tick tick. The food is good. The food is respectable. You go back to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Open the door. And Mary the waitress is... The, the, the bathroom is basically um, double, double gym. It's a single yeah. Yeah. Uh, You go back, go through the... Go, go sort of out back, go to the corridor, open the door, and Mary the waitress is lying unconscious in the bathroom. Lying face down. I'm gonna yell. Doesn't seem to be bleeding or any heavily or anything like that. Marco! Something's wrong! I'm immediately just gonna go and check. Yep. She's fine. Yep, first aid. Nope! Okay. When you roll her over, she doesn't seem to be terribly badly hurt. She makes a little. This is the other one. Something's wrong. I'm seeing it. I make it all the way to the room. I make it all the way to the room. Obviously not in the room. I come up the stairs. Lily? She's... Something's wrong. Open the door. Are you sure you're both decent? Just open the door! <laughs> open the door. I just, you, see, you see Lily crouched over um, the, the waitress. What's her name? Mary. 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 Who? She sits up and rubs the back of her head. She's... Oh, my. Been oh. Her. What happened? Where is Amelia? Uh... You can say that. Well, we, we didn't know if it was Emilia or Anne. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go for it. Yeah. No one says. She. Oh. Um. Did you faint, young woman? No, I, I. I brought the girl in here. I brought Amelia in here, and. She said she wanted to get something from the kitchen for a moment. I think she hit me. Are you sure? I don't know. Something hit me from behind. Her clothes were still wet, so is there a weird drip? Um, yeah, does it look like she changed clothes? 
which one? Oh, uh, sorry, I see what you're saying. Um, no, your clothes are still uh, sitting, uh, sitting basically, um, literally sort of stacked up over the toilet here. Is there a trail of... I mean, I, yeah, I one going back up. in there and one going Is there up. a trail of water? There is, in fact, a trail of water going out towards the back. Alright, kind of follow it. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, this is trivial to do. It takes you through the back uh, to where there is a literally a door marked ladder and a door marked exit, and the trail goes out the exit. The, the rain drips go out the exit. What the hell is she doing? Quick, keep following the rain drips. Well, her wits aren't about her. Obviously, she's um, trying to get home or. Something. Keep on following. Uh, open uh, the Lily. door and look her up. It's a dark, rainy forest out there. Spot checks. You can you can go out and actually look around, but this is just the, literally. I open the door. She's not sitting right in front Spot of me. Spot check. Amelia. You'd actually have to go out and go searching around. The uh, there is nothing that is obvious. Like have an umbrella room. or something in the car. Yeah, sure. The yep. car's way over there. <laughs> Let's go back house. into the house. Go out. Go I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to go out. Yep. Uh, okay, you just walk out into the rain. Yeah. No problem. It's your car. <laughs> Twin. Lily, you'll catch a cold. Oh, will I now? Well, get, get an umbrella I'll and search properly. Up to... See, in case Mary's still sitting on the floor <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> no, she is without getting up cool. and coming back I'll out. help her downstairs. Oh, thank you. What a gentleman. Thank you. Amelia, Webb. <laughs> Thomas isn't around. It's your chance. Comes back. Amelia, <laughs> Webb just accosted <laughs> your waitress and made a break for the exit. What? 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 Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mary, are you all right? I'm, I'm okay, Sam. I, I'm not sure what she had here. And what's worse, Lily's gone out to find her in this rain. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be difficult to find any of them in this weather. Is, is she crazy? She'll catch her death. Do you remember when she caught the flu last year? <laughs> Four weeks. She almost died. Uh, no umbrella, no torch. <laughs> I think you're going to have to look, look... Storms out to the car, grabs torch, grabs umbrella. <laughs> We're Americans, it's a flashlight. Yeah. So. <laughs> if anyone else is following me... Uh, no, uh, okay. I will go to the car and get a raincoat, <laughs> an umbrella. Yep. I'll get in the truck. Yep. I'll drive it around back if it's safe to. And have the light <laughs> beam going you're high, going. so it illuminates the backyard. You're going off road into the mud here, and I'm risking the truck being stuck. But do you? Care? But it's not this truck. <laughs> in, in terms of driving into trees or anything, that's not a concern. You can always blame Jake for parking it back. Yeah. <laughs> The door open, turn the lights back on. Leave the key in the So, Lily, you go out and poke around in the dark for a few minutes. 
Um, can you give me an extreme spot roll? Ah, no. In the dark and the hosing rain, you can barely see three feet in front of you. Uh-huh. Eventually, you find the tree line, and at about this point. You should have kept following the trail of raindrops. Hey, Samuel and Marco come round and actually have a flashlight, which is dimly illuminating the black and the hideous rain, and a raincoat and an umbrella, respectively. Yeah. And I'm aiming the truck lights into the back of the place. So at least that young woman is stolen my car. <laughs> you vaguely see. No. You, you vaguely see. You know, a figure over by the tree line that doesn't seem to respond to you shouting at her, but then there is the of rain continuously bucketing down. So I'll take off the coat I'm wearing yep. and give it to you. Put this on. Get under the umbrella. Can you roll me a constitution check again? Oh, yes. And I fail! Shocking! With your 20% gone, what are the odds? I think 20%. God, it's like she wants to function better than she does. Uh, Can you lose a hit point at this point? Sure. You are starting to feel the chill. You should go back to the diner. No, I'm fine. You're shivering. I'm fine. Your ears are turning blue. I'm continuing to argue. Yep. You're not actually out here to look for the girl, are you? You're just out here to argue with Lily. Well, Lily ran off, and I know she her, her constitution I is weak. I so. walk the tree line. I don't make my spot check. Okay. So, you look round. You get a vague look at um, what's out the back here. <coughs> um, there is another building off to the... There, there is an entire other building, maybe 20 metres off to the side. Yeah. Um, which you would guess to be based on general knowledge and, you know, Sam's house maybe, his office, the gas station, something in that neighbourhood. Um, then there is the tree line, there's several um, little fireboxes, there's a storm cellar down the back, etc., etc. Um, and you go poking around, looking towards the tree line. Um, so I made it a, a hard spot, not an extreme spot. Are you actually... What are you doing with Lily? I'm talking to Lily and I'm looking for the girl, but I'm not moving around. No. I'm just wearing Lily. Walking. I'm literally walking the tree line to see if there's a body on the tree line. That's it. <laughs> walking into these woods is asking to get lost at this time of night. Yeah. <clears throat> Samuel, there it is again. That floating light it's just off in the tree line. The dead light. It's vaguely moving towards the other shadowy figure you can see in the direction of Marco. Uh, mm-hmm. The other shadowy figure you can see. He can't see Marco. Okay. He's guessing the shadowy figure he can see is Marco. Marco, perhaps we should do this all together if we're going to do it at all. Listen, Jake. You continue to move through the trees, hearing nothing of this. No, the tree line. So yeah, we're the, yeah. 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 moving yeah. along the tree, tree line. Yep. So here we can't hear each other. Yep. Michael, come back in a sec. Maybe we should. No, the light drifts closer to me. 
is moving through the trees vaguely in Marco's direction. You know, can you can you can you see that? See what? Look over. Um, can you now give me a spot check for the bonus dice? So the bonus dice is again what? An extra, an extra D10. Extra percentile? Extra D10. Yeah, the percentile. Yeah, sorry, the D10. The D10? Yeah. Roll me a tens dice. An extra percentile. And then take whatever the best roll you get. Yes, it's 14. So, yes, now that Samuel's sort of, you know, pointing out the tree line there, you can indeed see this vague light off through the trees, sort of bluish white. Odd. It doesn't remind you of a candle flame at all, which like you'd be expecting either a lit lantern, something with a candle flame, or a stronger electrical beam. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what it is. You know, it could be several dozen light sources that you're just not terribly familiar with. It's not like no, you're. Mark goes in that direction. Mark goes in that direction. Yeah, I'm just going to go in with it. The light is going on. I'm forcing you to catch up. Stay yeah, away right. from the light. Lily, stay away from the light. No, I'm not going towards the light. I'm going towards Mark. Yeah, he's moved several dozen meters off. The light is now approaching him relatively rapidly. You're going to wander casually, sprint up after him, shout and wave your arms. <laughs> Etc. Etc. I'm tempted to right now. Lily, we should stay together. Marco! No, listen, Jim. Uh, 17. No, 70, sorry. Brain dead. <laughs> 17, 70. That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Where are you right now? I'm having a hot Inside, meal. Inside, having a lovely hot meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking right. talking to Sam about small town, you know, businesses, and you know, he tells you he's he's sort of having this nice conversation. Yeah, um, I've got to stay o- I've got to stay open late at night. Get a lot of business coming through there. You know, I don't mind. I've always been something of a night owl. You know, what what about you? Are you, you a night owl? You know, want some more coffee to keep you up, style? Well, some more coffee would go down well, I think. Just, we just cut back from the lights, you know, <laughs> following him through the trees, the casual conversation inside. No, it's handbrake. And then you start again yeah. in, <laughs> in the diner. Means there's no need to sprint. Marco is walking faster. Now you see yeah. through the okay. trees <laughs> something, a light source in the corner of your eye. And as you turn to face it, can you make me a sanity check? Then I will tell you what you're looking at. So this is rolling a percentile check against your yeah, current sanity score. Fail. So that will be fail. Yeah. <coughs> it's all on different pages just to make it difficult. Yeah, it depends if the monster thingies are at the back or the monsters at the initial description. It's in both places at once. Because <laughs> it's that sort of monster. Alright. Uh, can you... Uh, there's this yes. Can you roll me this wonderful d4? Can you double it? Yep. Six. Yes. Uh, over five. So, Marco, you see this in a light at the corner of your eye, and you just sort of instinctively turn to it. You know, something's out here. Yep. You turn around, and 
what you could see, it's right up close to you, three or four trees away, maybe less. You see this, this pale, pulsating, oil-like substance pouring through the trees at head height, broken into long-reaching tendrils that are stretching out in front of you and around behind you. The the light, the, the light that's emanating from this oil, there's, there's something wrong with it. It burns and it sears at your eyes. It reminds you of that sort of blinding flash just before, seconds before an explosion. And the whole thing fills you with a sort of nameless dread as you see this oily, tentacled thing reaching around the trees, stretching out towards you, and you can hear her name being whispered above the rain of Ma. Take that one, 41 to 50, in whatever direction you wish to take it. (laughs) (laughs) And he just walks backwards from it as he's laughing. Yep. You see this. What the hell? Marco! As he walks back towards the diner the light floats slightly backwards into the tree line, away from the diner. You know, like four or five metres, though. Like it's not fleeing off into the woods. And he comes back going, <laughs> Well, it's, it's good to see you laugh for once, but... You're yourself you get, under control. When you get close to him and actually look in his eyes, his eyes are darting around frantically. He is laughing hysterically. But it's that Joker oh. Rick dislike smile oh. on his face. He looks disturbed. But are you okay? Glowbug. <laughs> just keeps walking back to the diner. And just pushes straight <laughs> past you and walks back towards the diner. Uh, I, I, I think that, that we should um, we, we should probably return. But Amelia... She's a local, and she knocked out that waitress, which wasn't me. I prefer American quite the thing to do. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, maybe she could have just been certainly. There's been plenty to be said for someone taking the local clothes. Ever tried? I've never seen Marco. Turkish coffee, and he just looked at that. Sort of rage in Boston. Lantern and. Well, it, it's unnerving, to say the least. All the way through, all the way out to the car. Sam sort of calls to you as you go through. Is everything all right? And you see Marco just walking up the building, just walk straight out the other. Perhaps he's fetching some more clothes for the young lady. We could look for her in the morning. Oh what yeah, they do seem to carry a lot of women's clothes around. What if she trips up and, 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 and passes out face first into some mud? Fuse wigs, puts a 
puts it back down, closes it. Coke hangs it, comes back in, sits down, I has a coffee. Yeah. You're, you're feeling a little better now. But to be honest, <laughs> I'm concerned for you right now. Every time you think back on you saw something, there's that flash and you just... <laughs> Don't think about it. Fine. That's that's the solution here. Have another drink. (laughs) So Marco, did they find the girl? Isn't what it was. But no. Right, we'll have a little longer. Went out there and could not see her at all. I hadn't gone inside Sam's house or looked in the storm cellar, but whoever's carrying that lantern is obviously bad news. So we're looking for, still looking for the girl, but if the light comes back, we're going back to the diner for sure. Well, well, that, that's that's what Samuel's decided. Okay. In that case, can you make me a can you make me a spot check and then follow it up with a luck check from both of you? Is that rolling under your current luck? That is rolling under your current luck. Your current luck is equal to your current luck. So that's an extreme success on my spot. Awesome. Uh, And a success on my luck. Felder. Okay. (laughs) So, Samuel, your thinking is that the ground here is very wet and muddy. You're not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, we'll get out of there. You're not by any stretch of the imagination an outdoorsman. You know, if there are tracks out here, you're not going to be able to follow them. Mm-hmm. I assume your survival is crap. Yeah, yeah, my survival is crap. Ha- however, it is very obvious to you that logically, muddy, muddy tracks logically is the sort of thing you should at least be able to see, even if you can't follow them. Mm-hmm. So, if she's run out here, you should be able to find these, and you can't, which makes you think. Uh, maybe she's actually somewhere closer. Back and you look back down to the back of the building and think, hmm, where would I go in this rain? I would go to the storm cellar yeah. underneath the building. And so you start heading back there, and you get there, you open the doors, um, and you see Emilia um, is lying unconscious on the ground at the bottom of the storm cellar stairs. There is a um, there is a frying pan next to her. Interesting. Lily, you on the other hand, because you know you know your father is wrong about everything. Uh-huh. You are looking in a completely different location. So I just suddenly move off away from the cover of the uh, umbrella. <laughs> you are looking along as you want to do. You are yeah. looking along towards the next building. Um, where the officers, you know, might have headed over there. Um, moving, sort of not not intentionally, desperately separating yourself from the group, but this yeah. is the result of your luck roll, is just sort yeah, of moving in the pin. wrong place at yeah. the wrong time. And it makes sense since I don't really want to be around him. You're getting closer to the lights of the building when you realise there is another light source coming out of the trees towards you. And can you make me a sanity check as well? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, can you lose two sanity? This is what she's like. All the time. 
as you see something coming closer towards you, a large ball of floating light, it almost reminds you of sort of will-o'-the-wisps from mythology, yeah. about yay size, so about the size of a, of a beach ball kind of thing, is drifting towards you, hissing and crackling as the rain hits it. Yeah. And you cannot determine what this thing is, some sort of bizarre electrical byproduct maybe. Yeah. Um but it is clearly dangerous. The rain is dripping on it and actually zatting. And you realize if it touches you, this could be horribly dangerous. And that's when some sort of tendril of light kind of reaches out from it towards you. Dun dun dun! And that is where we will leave it be. Till next week. Voice of the editor here. So at this point I'm going to talk about the pre-generated characters and I'm going to be reading out the sheets that the players got for their pre-generated characters. Now, this will contain some spoilers in the sense that there is secret information on there that isn't known to all of the players. It's your choice, listener. If you'd rather remain in the dark about what's happening and try and just guess it from the play, then you're welcome to just skip at this point. There's no more actual play in this episode, so skip on to the next one and our story will continue. If you'd rather listen to what's happening and know all the different angles of the game, then feel free to listen through as I read these out. Now, these characters were all randomly generated with dice. I rolled up their stats and let that determine their various personalities, their flaws, their things, and put them all in the family. Uh, As you've doubtlessly surmised by now... All the references to Count Fenelik and the week in his haunted mansion obviously never came to pass. It was vaguely a red herring for the players to steer them away from what's happening on the road is deeply suspicious and adventurous, and vaguely a sequel hook for a sequel game that never quite came about. So these are the characters as they were given to the players. Samuel Fenelik, a highly respectable type. His aspects are respectability is everything. A woman's place is in the home, and where did my family go wrong? His descriptor. You're an American gentleman of proper English and continental background, sufficient wealth, education, and enough of a sense of order to know how your life was supposed to go. A background in the scholarly arts so that you didn't have to live your entire life off your father Manfred's estate. Enough of a streak of teenage independence and rebellion to change states and live away from from him, with precisely yearly visits around Christmas. Well, of course, you loved your father. He wasn't quite respectable, and this distance made things much more tolerable. You would marry a woman of good breeding and station, produce an average of 2.8 children, advance your career to teaching at Harvard, then retire to the countryside to write your memoirs, dying at the average age of 75 with a five-year variance permitted. But somehow it's all gone wrong. Women find you boring. It took you some time to find someone like Regina who was actually willing to marry you. You only have the one daughter, and she's a nightmare. Your teaching career has stalled out, thanks mostly to your family. They're insufficiently respectable. They don't fit in with the order of society. Your father Manfred passed away at an extended age. Even in death, he's managed to make a farce of it. No body to be found? Rumours of neighbours disappearing? Spending the week in an ancestral manner as a condition of inheritance? It's preposterous. But you just have to get through this week, and then things can return to respectability and order. Hopefully. About the rest of your family. Regina is your wife. People were starting to talk about you being a bachelor, so thank goodness you finally found a partner. You think you could have done a little better, but you'd never tell her as much, of course. Regina is always reading and has some funny ideas about becoming a doctor, 
a role totally unsuited for the female disposition. It galls you that your income is insufficient to support your, your lifestyle, and so she has to work as a nurse. Imagine what the neighbours would think if you encouraged her childish dreams of a higher education. She might even become better educated than you. Lily. Your daughter Lily has been a source of endless trial. You left her raised entirely in the care of her mother, as a man should. But somehow she turned out wrong. An argumentative, unladylike girl. You've had many raised voices about her pursuing her athletic dreams. She moved out of the house, swearing never to speak with you again. A few years ago, a terrible fire at her spinster apartments badly wounded her and drove her back into the house for Regina's care. It's a terrible, terrible thing, but it wouldn't have happened if she'd listened to you in the first place. You need to find someone who's suitable to marry her off to. Soon. Conrad is your older brother, an enormous embarrassment to the family. You snuck into his room once to see where he was getting his mad ideas from, and found the most obscene tomes of blasphemies and depraved sexual acts, but you've never confronted him about it. Instead, you've spent as much time as possible keeping away from him. Try not to let him embarrass you too much this week. Marco, your deceased brother Garrett's child, and your nephew... Marco pursues a, a tradesman's life, but other than that, he's by far and away your least objectionable, and therefore favourite family member. You've recently done the favour of getting him a respectable chemical job, working with a distant colleague in Italy. Tomas, your other nephew, is a liability to the Fenelic name. He just seems to drift aimlessly through life, working on his tan. How do these people share a bloodline with you? Samuel's stats are fairly average with him being a very large size character at 85%. And his high skills are in library use and in spot. Regina Fenelik, Restricted Nurse and Mother. Now, this character never actually ended up getting played. Nonetheless, I've included it in here so you can see how she relates to the rest of the family. Her aspects are anywhere but home. I love my husband well enough and first do no harm. Her description. You come from Dunwich, from the Waitley line. You've gotten as far away as possible from both. You know for a fact from listening at doors as, ch as a child that your mother and father disposed of several siblings who were deformed and twisted in some fashion. And you believe your own strong but slightly sickly frame comes from inbreeding. The moment you were old enough to be remotely called a woman, you ran away and never returned. Life was hard for some years, and you struggled to make your way before you met Samuel. He was kind enough to marry you, and is a caring enough husband that you've tried to reward him with faithfulness and care. More than anything in the world, you want to be a doctor. But it's outside the reach of all but a handful of women, and you can't even enter a university without sufficient money or your husband's approval. You know that you're more intelligent and better read than many of the doctors you work with, and have often shown them how to do their job. Samuel's father, Manfred, with whom he was not close, has hopefully left enough money to realise Samuel's dreams. And yours. The rest of your family. Samuel is your husband. Samuel is kind to you, dutiful, works hard, and is everything anyone could expect from a husband. But do you love him? Not love as you've read about in your books. He's a man of intense order. Everything must be respectable to him. And he's kindly but very firmly rejected your dreams as nothing more than a childish fantasy that steps too far outside the view of his world. Lily. Your daughter Lily has been a godsend to you. You raised her to be a strong, courageous child, to aim high, and you love her dearly. Without her father's support or knowledge, you took her to meet Chinese immigrants to learn jiu-jitsu, Theodore Roosevelt's favourite martial art. You encouraged her to move out of home and follow her dreams. She was on her road to becoming a famous athlete, 
when a terrible apartment fire struck. You blame yourself for not being there for her, for encouraging her down a dangerous road, for not checking her apartment carefully enough, for not financially supporting her into a better place. Now you care for her in the hopes that it will alleviate your guilt. Conrad is your brother-in-law. Conrad believes himself to be a recipient of communications from beyond the stars. Despite being high-functioning, he's clearly suffering from insanity and needs to be committed, but Samuel refuses for the shame it would bring upon the family. Marco is your nephew-in-law, Samuel's deceased brother Garrett's child. Marco, from the Italian side of the family, is pretty clearly abusing drugs of some kind, and is generally prone to being short-tempered. Tomas is your other nephew-in-law. Tomas is much more laid-back than you, but you actually find his attitude quite refreshing. He just seems to drift happily through life. You wish you could learn the secret from him. Stats-wise, Regina was a highly intelligent character with a good high intelligence, and had her high points in first aid, history, and a couple of academic skills. Lily Fenelik, the fire-scarred survivor. Her aspects are, I could have been a contender... Family is the foundation of all problems, and body of ashes, will of iron. A woman cannot be a sportsman, of course. Know your place, and you'll be much happier. That's what your father told you, but you've proved him wrong. Raised from a young age by your mother to follow your dreams, you want to become an internationally recognized athlete, of whatever kind, and have pursued track, boxing, jiu-jitsu, and other such training. Endless hours of practice, rigorous training, iron discipline. You've fought with the Women's Boxing Club in London. You've been reported on in the news. You moved out from home after an argument with your father. You didn't intend. You don't intend to get married, even if your alternative is a cheap apartment. Your career was just shaking off, and then that cheap, vile apartment burned to the ground. A fault in the wiring, they later said. Maybe. There wasn't enough left to investigate. You remember awakening to smoke and sheer terror. It fills your lungs like a living thing, expanding in them, searing them from the inside out. You couldn't breathe. Choking, blindly flailing through the heat and smog, feeling the hot walls about to burst, looking for the door, falling through it, the fire scouring your flesh. Burns aren't half as bad now, but you still struggle to breathe. You can't run as far as you used to. And whenever meat's on the stove, you can't escape the memory of your own lungs cooking. You live with your mother and father again now. You can't physically function for long stretches without care. Mother's good to you, and being on the road with your family for Grandfather Manfred's funeral is part duty, part necessity. You're not sure you can live without someone to look after you. Grandfather Manfred feed Grandfather Manfred's money is of as much use to you as anyone else, but father's been clear that as the black sheep of the family you shouldn't expect much. The rest of your family. Samuel is your father. The best you can say is that he means well, probably. Father is a man of regimented order. A woman's place is in the home, no buts or exceptions, and so you clash with him on every part of your life. He's a staid old stick, in serious need of something to shake him up. He cares for you in his own way. But what sort of man commiserates with news of an awful fire by saying, There, there, dear, someone will marry you despite your looks, I'm sure. Regina is your mother. If your father never cared for you, your mother made up for it in spades. Well, he worked, she raised you. Taught you all the usual womanly arts of cooking and sewing, not that you ever much cared to learn, but also encouraged you to pursue anything you wanted. She took you to your first jiu-jitsu class, encouraged and nurtured your dreams. A little too much, actually. It's like she's living vicariously through you. You have no idea what drew her father. She'll never talk about it. Conrad is your uncle, and your favourite family member. Father discouraged you from spending time with him, so naturally you did it as much as possible. 
Through adult eyes, you can now see he's a little quirky, but genuinely encouraging. He supports your athletic endeavours. He tells you the universe is a big, wide place, and there are methods out there to heal your lungs, as long as you're prepared to look beyond the mundane. You don't understand half of what he talks about, but believing in him annoys father, so you encourage him wherever possible. The odd part is that he almost seems afraid of Grandfather Manfred, even though he's dead. Marco is your cousin from the Italian side of the family. He works as a plumber, but pursues his own dream of being an athlete. He hasn't demonstrated any particular talent for it, but you'd be the last person to put him off his dream, and encourage and support him wherever you can, even if his attitudes to women aren't as forward-thinking as you'd like. Tomas is your other cousin. Being his cousin protects you from Tomas's relentless woman-hunting gaze, so you don't have much of a problem with him. He hasn't trained for anything in his life, has no discipline, no purpose, and no desire to be anything more than what he is. A worldview that he seems happy with, but that you have trouble understanding. Lily's statistics. She is a character with a shockingly high power of 90% and a dexterity of 90%, but made up for by an incredibly low constitution of a meagre 20% and an appearance of only 35%. Remember, all these characters were rolled up at random, so these stats really determine her backstory about the fire. Uh, she has credit rating in one of her high schools. She is a famous athlete, and her fists and martial arts are both high as well, as is generally her running and athletic abilities. Conrad Fenelik, the mad occultist. His aspects? I know the truth, but no one believes me. For the greater good. And when you're rich, you're eccentric, not mad. His description reads, you're the oldest son of Count Manfred Fenelik, heir to a history of ruin, sacrifice, dark gods, and death. When you are only a young child, you are carried off into the sky by some thing from beyond. You saw lights in the sky, a craft of some kind flying down towards the manor house. Creatures with bat-like wings taking you, probing you, experimenting on you. You still hear their transmissions in your head and learn the truths they don't want you to know. As the eldest son of the Fenelic Fortune, you've had the resources to pursue the cause. You've read nearly every banned occult book you can get your hands on met all manner of people and prepared against their coming again. No one will talk to you about this. Several attempts have been made to poison you via a conspiracy of cults. Certain rituals cast through mirrors have endeavoured to weaken your body's grip on your soul. You've learned from your books of your father's secret. The thing calling itself Manfred Fenelik has existed for generations, siring child after child, then later stealing their bodies after his death to live again. The creatures were preparing you for him in some fashion. Well, you're ready for him now. You have the rituals you've learned, tricks and secrets, some family members on side. He won't get away with it. Not again. The rest of your family. Samuel is your youngest and only surviving brother, and Samuel simply will not accept the truth. His limited worldview extends to a day-to-day job in a house with a white picket fence. He cannot comprehend that which lies beyond the veil of our reality, and that sometimes that veil is torn asunder. Since he won't listen, there's no purpose to telling him that the cults had your other brother Garrett killed. Whether he believes you or not, he's your younger brother. It's your job to protect him from the dark things in the world that he won't see. Regina, Samuel's wife. You know the signs, and she bears them. The deformities, the strangeness are in her blood. Did she marry Samuel to get closer to you? Or is she just an unwitting pawn of a dark family history like your own? Lily is your niece, and your most beloved weapon against them. From a young age, you've encouraged her martial pursuits to strengthen her body against their minions, and to train her mind for discipline in the arts magicale. 
It was working, but not fast enough. That's why you summoned the Fire Star with gasoline and matches as an offering to burn down her apartment, so that, we, so that she would see the creature, be jolted from her reality into the true sight, that the dark things restrained her, held her inside the flame to try and ruin her. She can never know the truth of your involvement, for you need her to serve the greater good of humanity. Marco, your nephew, is a muscle-bound, strapping Italian lad who seems easily motivated by money. You're bribing him to taste-test your food, keep them away from you, and other such key tasks. As the healthiest body, you expect Count Fenelik will try to possess him first. Tomas, your other nephew, is a handsome young man. Perhaps he will be the second target? He glows with an arcane fire, a strength of destiny and spirit that will serve him well in the days to come, if only you can convince him to tap into his power. Conrad Fenelik is character with fairly average stats again. Uh, he is the only pre-generated character that has Cthulhu Mythos, any points in it, and he has resources as his high skill and then a wide variety of ecliptic other bits and pieces, including a cult. Marco Fenelik, Italian would-be weightlifter. Aspects of I'm always angry, tripping over my own muscles, and damn it, Tomas. His descriptor reads, You wanted to follow in the footsteps of your heroes, all of them sportsmen. But your lack of natural coordination and talent meant you haven't managed to pull it off. Instead, you're stuck being a plumber, living with your brother Tomas, who never works hard enough to pull his weight. That somehow manages to come through the hard bits of life smelling like roses, and now you're just waiting for the right opportunity to come along. You weightlift and work out every day, but it doesn't get you far enough. So a new associate of yours has helped you get into the business of synthetic testosterone, steroids, you buy, you sell on the side, and you're your own best customer. There's a few side effects, of course. The excess muscle makes you look a bit shrunken and distorted. Your natural and deserved anger at your crappy life now seems to burst out at random sometimes. Roid rage. But it's all worth it, because look what you can bench now. When have you met Great Uncle Manfred? You were always sure to impress him by showing off. He's constantly told you to work hard and keep fit, and you've followed the advice to a T. No doubt you'll get what's coming to you. The rest of your family... Tomas is your feckless twin brother, not identical. You love him dearly, but he also annoys you in the way that only brothers can. Everything's a competition with him. Who looks the best, who can pick up the most girls, who has the most money, despite the fact that you should clearly be winning. He's not competition for you. As long as you can ensure that anything he can do, you can do better. Samuel is your uncle, an inoffensive, weedy professor type. You owe him for setting you up with his Italian chemist buddy. He's sure to inherit a good pile from Manfred. As long as there's enough left over for you, that's okay. Regina is Samuel's mousy wife. She's a scrawny, undereducated thing, and her frailties are no doubt why Samuel's only managed to have one child. Lily. Cousin Lily was always filled with the most preposterous ideas about becoming some sort of professional female athlete. <laughs> as if. True, she beat you at everything as children, but only through a series of flukes. The awful fire, which you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, has at least finally put paid to her silly dreams. Conrad is your other uncle. Somehow he got the lion's share of Manfred's distributions over his life, which means he's loaded. He's also nutty as a fruit bat. You and he have made an arrangement where he's slipping you cash periodically to taste test his food for poisons, protect him from would-be alien abductors, check any mirrors for him, and other such nonsense. Marco is a very high-strength, low-appearance character, stats-wise. Uh, his high skills are in Drive and Fists and Persuade, which is the Intimidation skill. Tomas Fenelik, Italian beach bum. Aspects of Relax, You'll Live Longer. 
stunningly gorgeous playboy, and for surf, sun, and a beach babe, I'm willing to go to some effort. Description. You have the perfect life. You cruise the beaches in Italy, pick up and have a bit of fun with a string of random women, and periodically supplement your income when needed by burglarizing a few people's houses. Since they're never home, and it looks like they can afford it, there's no harm done, right? You put in the minimum effort needed to get through. Just enough schooling to not be a dropout. Just enough money to live by. Just enough ladies that you're having fun, but not getting tied down in a relationship. Just enough working out, your body looks like you hit the gym enough. If it's just cosmetic muscle, who cares? Just enough effort to keep sliding through your perfect life. Great Uncle Manfred died, and you only loosely kind of care. He's a distant relative you've met a handful of times. But the opportunity to travel through America, hanging out with family, on his dime, at the only cost of having to stay a week in some big manor house? Done, done, and done. The rest of your family. Marco is your non-identical twin brother. You love him enough, but he's forever trying to show off and steal the girls you're going for. Anything he can do, though, you can do better. Lately, he's gotten a lot less uptight, and a lot more fun, with this game of randomly flipping out and making a scene. It's, it's always fun to watch. Samuel is your uncle, a bookworm who puts a lot of effort into making sure his life is just so, as he puts it. Everything has a proper place and a purpose, and you and he seriously disagree about whether lying on a beach working on your tan has a proper purpose or not. Regina is Samuel's fun wife. She's pretty smart and just generally underappreciated by her husband. It's not like you'd be doing anything more than looking, but she's not related to you, so technically not off-limits. Lily. Cousin Lily used to be pretty, but the fire left its mark. Ouch. Still, she lived, so that's a bright side. She's fun to hang around with in small doses, but her constant discipline and effort and training just don't match your worldview at all. Conrad's your other uncle. The guy's great entertainment, at arm's length. He's one of those eccentric rich guys that you've seen at the cinema, convinced his butler will murder him and that there's monsters in every bush. He's fun to watch, but truth to tell, he kind of scared you last time he cornered you, and started shouting about how Great Uncle Manfred wasn't really dead, and would return from beyond the veil to possess our bodies, and that everyone who stays in the manor is doomed. Tomas was played by a player who was unable to be at the first session, so you'll be hearing him arrive for sessions two and three. Stats-wise, Tomas is a relatively all-round character, moderately good at everything. Uh, he has his primary points in fast talk and larceny, and several actually in psychology for helping him picking up those beach babes. So those are all our characters here in Deadlight, and now you have an idea what the players have seen. We have two more sessions to go in this one-shot, and we hope you enjoy them. Thanks for listening.